Good morning. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. Uh, we were listening to Anushka Shankar and Nora Jones. That was Traces of You. We'll listen to that a little later on. But right now, standing by to join me is special guest. She's a memoirist, Hendrika DeVries. Good morning. Good morning, Janine. How are you? Wonderful. I'm glad you had a chance to call back. I know we were cut short a little bit last time, so I figured let's do this again. You know, I, your, your book is beautiful and your backstory is so interesting. Well, thank you. Thank you so much and for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. I really appreciate that. My pleasure. So let's start from, give uh, listeners a sense who perhaps didn't tune in the first time when you were on, um, how this book came about. Well, I was a child in uh, World War II in Nazi-occupied Amsterdam. And um, for a long time, I'd always been a lover of stories. My dad, when I was a tiny little girl, my dad told me bedtime stories, and stories just became a mainstay of my life. Uh, I worked for a little while as a teenager at a newspaper, as a secretary in a newsroom, and I loved all the stories that were being printed out in the newspaper. But there was one story that I always resisted, and that was the story of my childhood, because it was filled with quite a bit of trauma, but also with resistance and resilience. And then I became a psychotherapist, and I realized that if I was going to help other people uh, work with their trauma and find their strengths in their experiences, I had to look at my own story. So I started writing down my memories. I started. I went into therapy. I talked about them. I revisited Amsterdam to walk the places where I had experienced a mass shooting and oh. also my mom had my dad first of all to back up a little bit my dad was a POW in a German camp labor camp okay. and so for two years I was the daughter of a single mom mm. and she joined the resistance and brought a Jewish girl to live with us for a while and so I experienced a lot of the 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 oppression that happened under the Nazi uh, uh, rule of Amsterdam. So I had to go back to Amsterdam and actually work with my memories with an analyst there. And in that process, as I started to write down some of my memories and share them, people kept telling me I should write the book. Sure. But, you know, I'd always felt a little bit... Uh, self-indulgent, because actually I went on to have a really rich and wonderful life, a very productive life. So I always felt so grateful for my life, and then to write about my childhood felt a little self-indulgent. But then when I saw in the last few years the kind of uh, rise of, of hatred rhetoric and um, the attacks on, on women again, and I also saw the uh, the neo-Nazi surge in on our television, like in Charlottesville, Virginia. I began to realize that I really had an obligation to write the story. And out of that actually came the realization that it's not just my story, but the story of every child who's experienced or every person who's experienced violence and hatred and deprivation and come through it and found the strength and resilience to not only survive but thrive. Uh, 
So out of that really came the book. So let me interject for a second because I neglected to uh, mention the name of the book. And if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Hendrinka. Is it DeVries? DeVries, DeVries. right. You got it. And, yeah. and the title is When a Toy Dog Became a Wolf and the Moon Broke Curfew. You've got it. <laughs> it's a long title. And actually people are now starting to say, oh, that's that that." That book with the odd title of the toy dog. <laughs> it sounds like a children's tale. I mean, how did know, that come about? I know. Why did you decide yes. on that? Well, you know, I I wanted that. I was trained as a Jungian-oriented therapist, so I, I really believe in metaphor and symbolism, and I wanted that to express the experiences of the young girl, of the child in World War II. I didn't want to just write a book from the adult perspective. I wanted to write down the the actual memories, the way a child experiences war. Now, of course, I reflect on it from my adult experiences as a therapist. Yes. But the images are very powerful memories, the the little toy dog was a little toy dog that I always slept with as a little girl. And when my dad would tell me uh, fairy tales at night and bedtime stories, um, he would talk about shape-shifting animals, and he loved mythology. And so he filled my head with that, and I would say, can my little toy dog become something else? And he'd say, yeah, sure, what do you want it to be? And I'd say, a wolf. A big bad wolf, and he'd say, how about a big good wolf? And that little toy dog became very important because when he was taken away to a POW camp, we were allowed to go say goodbye to him because it was under the uh, Geneva Convention rules before he was taken away. And I took that little tiny toy dog, which was only about like three three by three inches, if that, um, and I, I gave it to a German guard, you in did? the camp and, and to give to my dad. Oh, that's right. I remember you telling me this. Yeah. yeah. And he kept it with him all his all the two years that he was incarcerated, and he brought it back with him. So, and I in it, I also saw the imagery of women in those days were being raised to be sort of decorative and appealing, like little toy dogs. Mm-hmm. But during those war years, I saw my mother and other women join the resistance, and, and I saw their wolf-like nature come out. So it holds a, a very powerful symbolism for me. I, I want to uh, ask you this, because I know I didn't ask you this the first time. Um, being that you are a psychotherapist, correct? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. A marriage family therapist, yeah. So did you feel like um, later on in life that you had suppressed this, that you needed to do your own healing, and in writing this book, that's what this allowed you to do? Yes, absolutely. You know, there were many years during during my teenage years, I lived in Australia, and I was a swimming champion, and I, I, I really had some very, very wonderful years, and I suppressed the trauma. And then when my father died, and I was very close to him, and then my marriage broke up when I came to America, I realized that I had to work on my trauma if I was going to help other people. I I couldn't suppress my own trauma. And and it also started to come up, as trauma does. Trauma will sometimes uh, be encapsulated. And then when other crises happen in our life later on, that, that capsule breaks open. And so I started having dreams and nightmares, and yeah. that's when I had to start working on it. Isn't that interesting? You think you're perfectly fine, 
I've had stuff come up in my own life. You think you're perfectly fine. You're in your 30s, your 40s, or whatever. And then so you were experiencing some joy, but then you're, you're dreaming these awful things, and you realize you've suppressed something that you really need to f- deal with. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's fascinating because there is one image in my book, and I, uh, after my mother was discovered to have been in the resistance, our house was kept under surveillance. The Jewish girl was taken away. She did come back. We did have happy endings in our life. We were very blessed. But, um, and in my dreams, I had these dreams of a rat always walking around our house. And it wasn't until I started doing the, mem- the, the memory work that I realized that was the, the, the Nazi who was keeping our house under surveillance and who I could always see walking around in the street watching our house. It, the symbolism of that right there. It's not, and it's so powerful, the symbolism, and, and the same with the full moon. You know, why I put in, why the title became long was um, we had a, a powerful experience of the moon breaking through on a very dark night. It was New Year's Eve of forty four, forty five, and we still had like four months of starvation of the war ahead of us. And my mother wanted to go to a peace gathering at a at a church, and we were living in central Amsterdam, not too far from where Ang Frank was hiding. And uh, but it was dark, and of course there was a blackout, so there the windows were all blackened out, the streetlights weren't working, and it was a very dark, cold, icy night. And she was very scared that we wouldn't find our way back before curfew, and you could get shot if you weren't home, if you're still on the street at curfew. And as we came out of that that peace gathering, that service, everybody sort of went, oh, oh. And I was a little girl, and I remember that symphony of, oh, oh. (sighs) And it was this huge full moon that lit up the streets and... I remember my mother always saying, it's a miracle, it's a miracle. And see, the light, the the darkness doesn't have the last word. Yes. Oh, I like that. Yeah. The darkness does not have the last word. No, no. And then I, I, do you want me to just go on about the moon and tell you the rest of it? Sure. We have about three more minutes, so go ahead. Okay. So then I, because I, I love mythology, um, then I found out, you know, in our patriarchal mythologies, the moon is often seen as feminine because its cool sort of reflective light is deemed lesser and merely passive, reflective oh. of the burning masculine sun. But as a therapist, as I listened to my client's stories in our therapeutic sessions, I found this exciting meaning because I discovered in working with my clients that every tr- time a, a story is told of trauma, a story of, you know, children that have experienced hatred or cruelty, it also hides the courage to survive and and the incredible resilience to move on. So I began to see that the stories that we gather are like the waxing moon. Each story increases the light to reveal not just the assaults that were carried out and hidden in the dark, but also the strength that was there. So it made me question the moon being symbolized as feminine because of being passive, 
because it became clear to me that when when we reflect our experiences and share our stories, the the light that is beamed is an active light on every abuse and every hidden strength in the dark. Oh, I love that. And so I had to put I had to put the moon, the moon in the title. Yes. So what advice would you give someone who is facing trauma right now? What advice? Yes. Well, the first one is don't do it alone. I, I think that's a huge one. Always seek support. Uh, and then the other one is look at the strengths. Look at the strengths that were in there. That for every story that I have sat with, and, yeah, do not minimize the trauma. You have to stay with that. You know, listen to the, the traumatized little girl or boy that's there. Definitely let them tell their stories. But then discover the strengths that they had. And really look at that, the, the resilience that's there. Because for every grown-up who can tell their story, I can, reass- I can just be absolutely certain that there's a gem, a little gold, <laughs> a gold nugget of strength and resilience that's hidden in there. Do you look back and think, how was I such a resilient little girl? How what? Do you look back and think, wonder how you were such a resilient little girl? Oh, yes. Well, you know, I had incredible parents, and I do, I do talk about that in my book. My mother um, modeled courage and strength and faith, and she wasn't always sweet and fuzzy but she modeled this incredible resilience and strength incredible. and gave that to me. And I had a dad who had a great respect for women. He was uh, raised by a single mom, a widowed mom, he, who was widowed when he was around six. And uh, she had seven children and raised them by herself. And he had this incredible respect for women. So I think I, I saw the modeling by my mom and the other women that I experienced in the two years that my dad was away. And then as I was growing up, I also got that respect for the feminine from my father. Incredible. Listen, I don't mean to cut you short, but we have to wrap. I have someone else calling in soon, but I want to thank you so much. I think I gained more insight the second time I had you on, Hendrika. Oh, I really appreciate you so much. Thank you. My this, pleasure. this was really wonderful for me to be able to talk oh, about I'm it. Oh, so glad. And happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Have a great day. All right, be well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you missed any part of this, all the info is on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. That was Hendrika DeVries. Coming up, I'm going to be speaking with award-winning voiceover artist, Emmy-nominated actress, executive communications specialist, and public speaker, Tasia Valenza. So stand by. We'll be back in just a moment. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.